0: No credentials.
1: Greatest album. Welcome to the Sound Logic Podcast. Today we're discussing album number 99, which is Red by Taylor Swift.
2: I'm Lily, and Annika just introduced this album for you. And our guests today are Mike and Ben.
0: Woohoo! Hey.
3: <laughs> this is a fun one. Uh, if you haven't figured it out by now, uh, Lily and Annika are our oldest children, respectively, and uh, we're excited to have them. We needed some some real Swifties to talk about Taylor Swift, so we we, uh, we scoured the world and found. <laughs> to fairly close to home, and we're excited to have them here with us tonight.
0: This is really special, not only because it's super fun to each have our daughters or one of our oldest children. How do we say this? We each have our oldest child here. Um, and uh, it's also a very significant day in the world of Swifties, because the, the, the day, the. The day that we're recording this, which is July 7th. July 7th. (laughs)
2: 2023
0: is the day that Taylor, at midnight this morning, released Speak Now, Taylor's version.
2: I already listened to it today.
0: Yes, I would assume. Yeah, I've
2: listened to it already. (laughs) I've added songs to my playlist.
0: (laughs) There you go. Uh, If you're wondering, what does that mean? What is a Taylor's version? I didn't know that Taylor released a new album. I'm confused. We will explain a little bit of that as we go on, because that's going to be a part of our discussion about this album, Red. Okay. Is that a good place
3: to start, or should we dive into the details?
0: I want to start with the details of the original release of Red first, and then we're going to talk about what that means. We're going to say the phrase Taylor's version probably many times, (laughs) and we're going to explain, uh, we'll probably have our guests explain what that means. Okay? Does that work for you? Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Sounds
2: wonderful.
0: So, obviously, we have, uh, listen, Taylor Swift's music, in my opinion, is very good and is written for everyone. However, I would say there's a very uh, specific demographic that appreciates it perhaps more than others. So, we're very excited to have (laughs) these two young ladies joining us to help us with this but before we start let's get into some details so red the initial studio release was released october 22nd 2012. can you believe that this album is 11 years old now almost
2: it doesn't feel that (laughs) old
0: no it doesn't i remember when it came out now uh we'll get down to your first listens later but lily and annika you were both quite little when this came out so probably don't remember when it came out um but i do this album was written almost entirely by taylor swift she had some help and we'll talk about that as well uh but she is the primary or soul songwriter on almost all the tracks red charted very well everywhere it was number one (laughs) in the us the uk australia canada china ireland new zealand scotland and south korea and did very well in many many other countries as well sales i found the sales numbers interesting because uh for example it said that it was seven times platinum in the u.s which is seven million certified but then the individual units were like 4.9 million so i think we have with these newer albums been um an overlap of physical albums sold and streams or digital downloads so I think that the certification takes into account digital sales and downloads yeah. so and versions
3: um, as we'll get into I'm assuming
0: yeah so in the US we know that this has sold over seven and a half million copies uh, worldwide I'm really not so sure but let's say many millions um, <laughs> is the best that I can do from the data given some of the older albums which, you know, in the 60s and 70s, which did most of their sales in the pre-streaming, pre-internet days, is a little more clear as to what the actual numbers are. But that's neither here nor there. It's been very successful. There is a lot of information about this album and how it came out and uh, some of its accolades. So I'm going to go through some of these, um, and hopefully this isn't too long-winded, but there's, there's a lot of information here. So first of all, the album's title refers to the tumultuous, red emotions Taylor Swift experienced during the album's conception. She wrote it while she was touring Speak Now, which we just talked, just was re released today. Its songs discuss the complex and conflicting feelings resulting from fading romance. Uh, that last sentence, couldn't that be applied to every Taylor Swift album?
2: <laughs> I don't know necessarily if that's true because I think that. Her albums go into depths about more than breakups, which is something that a lot of people have to say about her albums with, and her songs. They're just like, oh, she only writes about breakups and boys and stuff. But I think that um, well, it is a common theme because she's had a lot of those uh, emotions and experiences in her life, I think that also um, all of her albums get into different stuff. If you look at albums like Folklore and Evermore, those albums tell stories and they're not even about real people. Um, they're just about things and people and ideas that she's had.
1: Taylor has said before that it's actually um, saying that they're just about um, her breakups and stuff, it's, there's lots of other artists that write about that and sometimes people use that to say that she's like a bad artist because she only writes about breakups, but then there's other people who also write about their breakups, but, like a lot of the male that don't get criticized for it. But She finds it kind of sexist to say that she writes about breakups when it's just when it's lots of other people
0: i would totally agree with both of you i i wanted to read that because i thought it was an interesting descriptor uh, because that isn't the whole of any of her albums it's a Mm -hmm. small it's a portion of it uh so good
3: and i think it's helpful to be reminded again of that unfortunate patriarchy of the, the culture that we live in too, that this is, <clears throat> she's not the first female artist to be pushed aside or attempted to be pushed to the side because of fill in the blank, right? Like this, this idea mm-hmm. that, that you, she can be easily dismissed because her music is breakup music is, feels very similar to, um, the way that we have tried as a society to, to diminish other young women as they are trying to take off, um, Or especially when they have taken off and they're becoming too big, then we come up with all these reasons to dismiss them and knock them down a peg, too.
0: Right. Um, Taylor, uh, moving on from that and into something else, Taylor recognized the inspirations for this album. One of them was Joni Mitchell's 1971 Blue album. And she said that that inspired her songwriting. And critics immediately noticed the similarities between the album artwork with mm. just a close-up on the face and the color written in that color uh, of the font. So that's interesting. Um, and another album that we've reviewed, Ben, and one that, that we're both very fond of.
3: And comes up uh, fairly frequently.
0: It, it really does. <laughs> it's now number three on the list if you if you haven't uh, followed along to every single episode that we've done. Now, Taylor Swift enlisted various uh, new producers to help move more into the pop genre from the pop country sounds of her previous albums. And you'll hear that, um, as we've discussed in many hip hop and R&B and some other genres, that even from track to track, you have different producers. Taylor Swift is doing that here certainly more than her previous albums, I believe, and it's something that you'll see her continue to do after this album into her uh, her succeeding albums after this.
2: Something, again, just a lot of stuff about, unfortunately, women getting criticized in the music industry is that there was a really long time or consistently where people were like criticizing Taylor Swift for her genre choices, so going from, oh, she only does country and now she's like doing tours and stuff. Shouldn't she be like going into pop or whatever? And then she started doing pop and then people were like, oh, I thought she was a country artist. Why is she writing pop music? And it's like always been such a thing. Any choice that she makes and a lot of female artists, it's the same thing. And I think this will be a continuous thing that we'll talk about as we review this album. But it's just that any move that she makes is criticized. She has a song about it, guys. It's called The Man. It's on her lover album. Take a listen, but <laughs> I think that she uh, just she was criticized for a long time about genre choices and transitioning. So this album is really interesting because we get a very interesting blend of the um, country and pop. Uh, genres here. Uh, there are some songs that feel full-blown pop if you go to songs like uh, we're never Get- getting back together and 22 it feels much more pop than some of the other songs on the album and then there's songs that feel way more country so it's interesting to listen to that as you listen through the album and kind of spot those.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely heard that I want to come we'll come back to that a little later Lily but that is a huge um, aspect of this album. Her, her shift from one genre to the next. And you're right, she was majorly criticized for that. Um, she released seven singles, uh, which is a lot for this album. Now, it was a 16-track album, so a lot of tracks. Uh, seven singles in the order they were released are We Are Never Getting Back Together, Begin Again, I Knew You Were Trouble, 22, Red, Everything Has Changed, and The Last Time. So that's a lot of singles. Um, she uh, featured a few other artists on the album Gary Lightbody from is that Snow Patrol? I think I got the band right yep. and Ed Sheeran uh, are also on the album at least one of those guys will show up on another album after this for Taylor um, and so it was released and in the first week sold 1.2 million copies in the US which is uh quite a lot i don't know if that broke records but it was a lot however uh, she did spend this album spent seven weeks at the top of the billboard 200 making taylor swift the first female artist to do it and the second act since the beatles to have three consecutive albums each spend at least six weeks at number one so that would have been fearless speak now and red uh and i think since then every album has gone number one i don't know how many weeks each has spent, but every album has gone number one since then this is her fourth and now she's up to 10 is that right
2: i believe so and yeah. actually Not including um, the re-release no and in her most recent album midnights um she was the first artist and the first female artist to have the entire top 10 of the billboard 200 be wow. just taylor swift from her most recent album. I don't remember for how many weeks, but she, the entire top 10 was occupied by Taylor Swift for a good amount of time. So
0: that's pretty significant. That's never happened. Um, No. The album received nominations for Album of the Year at the 2013 Country Music Association Awards and Album of the Year and Best Country Album at the 2014 Grammy Awards. So it didn't win, but nominations. Uh, She promoted the album with the Red Tour in 2013 and 2014, which grossed $150 million. And then uh, that is kind of all I want to say about the Red release, the initial release. But a huge part of this album now is, of course, Taylor's version. So following a dispute regarding the ownership of Swiss Back Catalog, she re-recorded Red and released it as Red's, Taylor's version, on November 12th, uh, 2021. In earlier that year, she re-released Fearless, uh, which was the first Taylor's version that she did. And I could read you the wiki article or or an article about why that happened, but I want uh, Anika and Lily, and however you want to tackle this, I want you to describe, in your own words... Um, why this had to happen, what happened. Annika, do you want to start?
1: I mean, I don't know like all the details and stuff, but I do know that whoever, she had like a producer and he owned all the music and she wanted (laughs) to be able to use it how she wanted. So she had to re-record it so that she could own it. And then Taylor's version is her having the ownership of it.
0: That's it in a nutshell. Um, Lily, do you have anything else to, to kind of add to that? Yeah.
2: If you guys want a little bit more of a deep dive, and I'll try to keep <laughs> emotions out of it because I get heated when I talk about
0: this. But, um... I have a feeling you're not the only Swiftie who does.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. Definitely not. Taylor Swift had a um, music producer who she worked with for a very long time, um, and his name was Scooter Braun, and he is he who shall not be named. And he... Um, They were never really the best of friends, but as time went on, their relationship became really hard. There was some really um, upsetting stuff, and he um, actually, I believe, uh, sexually harassed Taylor at one point in her career, and probably more that she hasn't come forward about. But he uh, had the rights to her music, and he sold them all. So all of her albums, from debut to um, reputation, he sold them all, so she didn't own them anymore. Um, Which sucks a lot because an artist should want to have their own music and be able to do with it as she pleases, so um, Taylor is in the process of re-recording her discography in order to own it again. Um, So she's re-recorded three at this point, Fearless, uh, Red, and just as of today, Speak Now. Um, And this is really significant because it's a big thing just in music and as a person because she gets to own it. But I think also um, it speaks a lot to feminism as well because she's taking ownership of something that she worked really hard for. She uh, she writes almost all of her music single-handedly, sometimes with the help of a couple other people, but she is such a prolific writer and she loves her music and is passionate about music. And to be able to take ownership of that again Uh, is really awesome and empowering, I think. Um, And so as she releases new albums, we're all waiting expectantly because when we stream her music that isn't her own, when it's not the re-recorded versions, we all, I think it's if these cringe a little bit, we're like, I'm doing something evil and bad (laughs) because it doesn't belong to her. Um, And now she's taking it back. And I think that that's really awesome.
3: For those of us uninitiated, we've talked about the fact that she has 10 albums. How many of them were sold, and how many of them has she already re-recorded?
2: So, um, so like I said, from debut to reputation, so that's uh, debut, which is her self-titled album, Taylor Swift. That's um, Fearless, Speak Now, Red, 1989, and Reputation. So it's six albums that were sold, and she's re-recorded three. So she's halfway through okay. them.
3: The other ones she, she owns, the ones that have come out since the sale? Yes. She's owner of that? She, yeah, so
0: we, she went to another yeah, label. So
2: after that, yes, yeah, so she's moved to, I believe she's with Republic Records now. And so Lover, Folklore, Evermore, and Midnights are all her own albums, plus the re-recording. So um, she has to re-record Debut, 1989, and Reputation. They're a because Swifty, something within the Swifty community is that we love to theorize. She leaves Easter eggs in everything she does, and we like to find them. So... There are theories that Reputation is the next re-recording, but there is no confirmation until she says it. So, we all look forward to that, whenever it happens. In the,
1: uh, I think it's the Karma music video, she has references to all of her albums, and it's like in an order. It's the ones she hasn't re-released yet, and it's in an order, and that's why people think that it's in the order that it's going to be released She likes to
0: drop hints
3: it's so fascinating that she didn't start at the beginning as she's gone through this process she's not chosen the same order as the original release um Um, as people who struggle with the order of recording podcasts (laughs) it would be hard to wrap our heads around uh (laughs) jumping out of order
2: yeah i think that um she's strategic in everything she does and she gets criticized for that of course but i think that it's there's a meaning and she's actually said, so I believe she's 35 now or 36, but she said that she re-recorded um, this album when she was 32. So the oh, one okay. that came out today, uh, sorry, not red, but the one that came out today, Speak Now, which is really interesting. So it makes me think, does she have other albums? She's already recorded, but she's mm-hmm. waiting for the right time. Um, Wow. It's possible she re recorded in the order that she originally recorded the albums in and then is choosing when to release them. Oh interesting. I'd be interested to know. But because she's recorded this one not within like the last year, I find that very interesting. Um and as you said that it reminded me of that and I wanted to bring it up. And
3: nineteen eighty nine will be released last since it's the best one.
2: It may be. It may be. Those are. There are actually. The theory is that it will be the last one to be released. Okay. But I think that it's a fan favorite. I think a lot of people love 1989, and are they were actually theorizing it would be before Speak Now until we had some other Easter eggs. But yeah.
0: Hmm. So a quick recap, just so (laughs) I under I understand it, and I think I do. Taylor Swift recorded her first six albums under Big Machine Records which was bought by producer Scooter Braun, they had a verbal agreement that he would hand over the rights to the recordings to her and then he sold the label, or sold the rights but didn't allow her the the co-rights. So she has the authorship rights to the song. She has the writing credits to the songs, but not the rights to the recordings themselves, which is why she's able to which is why she's able to to re record them because she wrote them. They're her songs, but not those recordings. Have I got that right, Lily? Annika? You got right? it exactly um, right. Okay. And.
3: Uh, conspiracy uh, theory Mike likes oh these. Um, oh is boy. it better for her financially to re record, or would it be better for her to purchase the original uh, rights?
0: I, I, would I don't expect... think it's about money for her.
3: Ah. Uh,
1: yeah, I think she just wants to own her own songs and be able to do whatever she wants okay. with
2: them. Yeah, I think that that's the main thing. I think that she...
3: So in that case, it would be like tomorrow if she announced, I actually just purchased all six of my original albums. There will be no Taylor's versions. Can you imagine that scenario? Or do you think that there's something valuable <laughs> about releasing Taylor's versions of these of these albums? That,
1: that would make me kind yeah, of sad. Yeah, I would be sad. I really like... <laughs> But I like hearing the new releases and I got really excited when there were new songs on Speak Now.
2: That's something with um, the Taylors versions is that she also releases songs that she calls from the vault tracks, which are songs that were never released with the original album, but that she did write uh, to go on the album and never made the cut. So um, something that we would lose if she ever decided to purchase everything back would be those. We would never get to hear those vault tracks unless she decided to specifically release them. So I think that that's something uh, special about it as well, but I think I agree with Annika in that she's doing this to have ownership and to say, I worked for these and I I am taking them back um, rather than the money. Although of course she does make uh, so much money from
3: it. She has not yet released Taylor's version of her new releases, like the the four albums that have come since those originals were sold. When she puts out a new album, does she do a Taylor's version with bonus tracks and stuff?
0: no she no she'll
2: release
0: Deluxe two things I'm gonna say this and hopefully it impresses you Lily and Annika, that I know this (laughs) she she doesn't have to do that because she owns them now because she's with a different label but she also does uh, and I remember when Midnight's came out last year she released Midnight's at midnight and then at 3am the same morning she released a bunch more bonus tracks called like the 3am sessions am I right on that Yay. That is correct. She
1: just released the Till Dawn edition, which has, um, two re um has Karma has Ice Spice um Snow on the Beach has more Lana Del Rey, and she released um Hits Different.
3: But she doesn't care about money, huh? I don't think anyone well, ever not said in that. every case
1: scenario. <laughs>
2: I never said she didn't care about money because obviously it's her, this is her job and so she needs to make money and sure, sure. she is she is a businesswoman. I think before anything else, she's an artist and she's a businesswoman and those are her things. So and I think you she's said always
3: calculating too. She's always yes, calculating. yeah, yeah.
2: She is yeah. she is smart and she is very clever and she works with her team and she does what will create revenue. But I think she also does care about the art as well. So there's it's a. It's a sticky situation.
1: (laughs) She's making billions of dollars with her heiress tour. So, uh, yeah. yeah.
3: She may never release another album.
0: (laughs) They're (laughs) laughing at you. (laughs) Um, I want to keep... That's all awesome. I want to keep moving on here. We will come back to... I want to come back to the Vault tracks a little later when we talk about the content of the album. The next thing I want to talk about... um, is the album artwork, and I do want to talk about both covers, both the original and the Taylor's version. Um, and we already talked about the similarities between Joni Mitchell's "Blue," the original release of "Red." And if you're listening, go, you know, pause and go Google it so you understand. It is a, a close-up of Taylor's face um, in the bottom right corner. Uh, it says "Red" in block capitals, and then underneath Taylor Swift in white. You get a lot of uh she's got the color right in the middle of the picture is her red lipstick um and then her blonde hair and uh i wouldn't say that there's a wash like joni mitchell's blue there's a blue wash on that there isn't necessarily a wash in fact the colors are more kind of these blondes and tans and uh i won't say earth tones but skin tones almost um and this was significant to me because lily Uh, You might not remember, but when you, maybe around the time Speak Now came out or just before that, every night before bed, um, you would sit on my lap uh, and we'd sit at our computer and we'd watch Taylor Swift videos from her first two albums. (laughs) You would would sing along. You were two or three years old uh, and sing along. And Taylor Swift, I think, was someone you admired right away. And she was this young... um, I'd say girl, but girl, and then becoming a woman, this long, curly blonde hair, this country artist on her first three albums. And then not only are we hearing the differences in the music, but we're seeing her image change on this cover too from this long, blonde, uh, unilength hair, very country, very country girl. Now it's straight with bangs. And it's a very, it's a big image change. And now we're seeing that she's, uh, I think 22, well she sings about being 22 on the album, so now she's really stepping into womanhood uh, on this album as well, and not that she ever lacked maturity because many of her songs in the previous albums showed that she she did have maturity, but you were seeing this change in image, There's this young girl in the pretty little dress and the hair to more of, of a young adult so I found that very significant even when it came out because I saw my little girl with blonde curly hair. <laughs> um, and then I saw this woman, you know, changing her image to be more grown up. And for me, that was it was a little bit of sadness because I was then looking into the future of my little girl growing up and that was sad <laughs> uh, because there is something there. But um, this is an album that, a cover that is sticks in my mind. Uh, and I'm wondering if Annika Lily, if you have any Feedback on the on the cover. I mean, you probably wouldn't have remember when it was released initially because you were both very young. But but what did what do you think of when you see it?
1: I do remember thinking when I first saw it that it doesn't look very red because oh. the album's called Red, but neither of them are super red. Um, but right, they're still. I still really like them. They're really pretty, and I think that oh, yeah. they. There's like an element of like I don't know. It's like very it looks mature but it also isn't like too like dark and I think it mm-hmm. reflects the album and what it sounds like.
2: I a uh, thousand percent agree with that. I also think pointing out the red in the middle it's the red is of her lipstick and that's the super signature Taylor Swift thing from this album going forward. She references it in her songs um, and it's very significant about her image and I uh, like Annika was saying it kind of represents that that innocence that she's coming out of, but also plays with, but also the fact that she is growing up, like you were saying, dad. Um, and I think that that's significant and beautiful and very cool.
3: Yeah, like Annika, I think I've often wondered why it isn't a bit more red. Yeah. Um, as a very, very casual um, appreciator of, of Taylor Swift from a distance. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's really, fun, I think, to hear about the Joni Mitchell blue ties. I hadn't made that connection and to see the similarities now makes a whole lot more sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to see it in red scale, too, like Joni's blue album is actually very blue. It'd be a neat neat thing. And and interesting to... I I mean, makes sense, I guess, with Taylor's version, but I'd love to hear if there's any insight into... When she does these re-releases, um, obviously, she, she makes a choice to step away from the original cover art. Um, yeah. Do you, know, do you know what's involved in that process?
0: Well, I I can't speak to that, and, and I'll give our, our guests here a chance to speak to that. But I, I, I definitely want and Annika, you mentioned both covers, because I'm looking at, at both of them side by side. So we have the cover for Red Taylor's version, which is a new image. Um, And she plays with a lot of the same tones. So you've got the tan. She's got a tan overcoat. She's in a car that's red. Um, Her hat is more of a a burnt orange. And she's still got that red lipstick on, uh, which is really interesting. So she plays with a lot of the same things, but changed it a bit. Okay. Well, no, I'm going to say something else. But first, I want to hear, does anybody have anything to say about the Taylor's version album cover before I keep talking?
2: (laughs) I think the album covers have grown up with her. For Fearless, which is her first release, um, there is a distinct parallel between um, the original album cover because in the original album cover, she has her hair blowing in the wind and she's facing one direction and her hair's blowing out. It says Fearless on the front, Taylor Swift. And it's like these big, like, big letters and this huge album cover and on the re-release oh and like a black background so it's a very stark contrast with her like platinum blonde hair and then this the black background and the the text in front of her and on the re-release she's facing the other way her hair is still um flowing in the wind and she kind of has one arm up and it looks more playful and more um a little bit less dramatic which i feel like is showing how she's like grown up and she she doesn't feel the necessity for that flashiness um, and I think that also, um, she, oh, she also doesn't have any text on any of the re-recording albums. It doesn't say right, album that. title. Uh, same thing with Red, we we discussed what it looks like, but it doesn't say anything on it. And then for Speak Now, she's wearing this big purple dress as she is in the Speak Now, um, on the original Speak Now cover, but it doesn't have any text that says Speak Now, Taylor's version, anything like that. Um, and shes it's a little bit more zoomed in on her, so you see more of her face and it's more about framing the face and the like, way she looks. So I think that's something interesting, how she keeps elements and tries to capture the uh, same imagery uh, while also changing things and making it more grown up as she has grown up.
0: And she's facing the other direction again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I just, I just looked at that. She's facing the other Yeah,
2: she's facing up, not on the red one, but on the other two sheets. Yes. It's like it's the same
1: elements, and she keeps the same, like, I mean, I guess it's the same vibe, but it's also more mature on the mm-hmm, re recordings sure. and shows how she's grown up from the original one.
0: I agree. Uh, really, really just a whole, in really interesting idea, just the whole re-release, re-recording. I don't, Ben, I don't think we've touched on anything like that in any of the other albums no. we've reviewed. And, and I can't even think of, I mean, people have re-released albums but i can't think of an artist that's totally re-recorded albums um yeah usually usually it's remastered
3: right that, that's well, yeah, uh, the producer doing something yeah. to it not the artist
0: um, yeah and not re-recording yeah. maybe maybe a track or two or maybe a portion of a track but not a whole album yeah that's just absolutely unprecedented from from my recollection so i mean but that... the
3: one that made the 500 list is the original right that's the one we're talking about tonight
0: Yes, uh, for two reasons. Number Yes, for two, for two reasons. Because number one, um, I think that's where, you know, the, the success, I mean, they're both successful, but there's more for the first one. And also the re-release came out after this list came out. Um, uh. The re-release was in 2021, and this list came out in 2020. So,
3: I was saying uh, that somewhat facetiously, um, given oh. what Lily said about... You know fans not always wanting to touch the original one <laughs> I, I i appreciate that clarification that timeline uh it does help with uh with that if well. we had
2: our way it would be taylor's version but alas
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah or yeah. i mean yeah it's beautiful to get taylor's version but wouldn't it be nice to live in a world where artists were given the respect to own their own music too and of course we could just have the original one <laughs> yeah as intended yeah
0: So the next thing is is the track listing, and this is where it starts to get complicated because you have <laughs> you have um, the original release was sixteen tracks, okay, and then there's as Taylor still does the deluxe edition, which had more tracks,
3: additional six, another twenty five minutes.
0: Yes, and then mm-hmm. Taylor's version which has more tracks
2: 30 tracks
0: 30 it tracks. has 30
2: tracks <laughs>
0: um okay so uh, this is where <laughs> this is where i don't even know where to go because it's there's so much music and it's almost like ben we've talked about these you know ridiculous like we did a ray charles <laughs> compilation album that had like 40 tracks on it or something and, and how do you how do you talk about all that so um i want to start in this way i if you can lily and annika tell us please some of your first memories of hearing this music now not just taylor but maybe something from this album because obviously we've already talked you you probably don't remember recollect when it came out you weren't quite old enough to to really be in on you know new releases at that time but at some point you both became Taylor Swift fans and at some point you both got into either individual tracks or probably because I think Swifties are really into albums and eras <laughs> um, you got into this album or at least had a period where you just focused on this album or not
1: so I don't think I've ever just been really into Red, but I do remember Red being one of the first, like, the songs that I first heard from Taylor Swift were from Red. Because I remember, I'm actually a fairly new (laughs) Swifty. Because I think some of the first, I got into Taylor Swift probably last year when I was in 6th grade. And my English teacher would play Taylor Swift because she was a big Swifty. And so (laughs) I remember hearing, like, 22 and we're never getting back together. And... All the like pop songs from Red, and I remember going home and then being like, I, re- "I like this music," and listening to it. And then I like get more into Taylor Swift, and I think that's most a lot how I got into Taylor Swift because I remember my English teacher playing it, and then me going home and listening to it because I really like this music.
0: It's really cool because I I think I made an, exum- an assumption, Annika, that you've just kind of loved it forever. So that's that's cool that it's a recent thing. Um, Lily, how about you?
2: I think that you and mom uh, got into Taylor Swift um, around the time I was born, which is uh, just a little bit after she released her first album. She released uh, her first album, I think, in 2006 or seven. So that was like a year or two before I was born. And so I grew up with Taylor Swift, um, more or less. And I have a lot of memories of her. Um, I, I hadn't until recently when you asked me to record this with you, uh, actually sat down and listened through the whole album, like gotten through the whole thing at like in one go, or at least intentionally listened through the whole thing. But I, I listened to the songs. They're on a lot of my playlists. Um, the ones I remember the most uh, probably were I Knew You Were Trouble and We Are Never Get- Ever Getting Back Together because those are songs that I remember watching the music videos for and being able to sing along with and have fun with. And I think all of our the four of our family, uh, dad, we all really got into those songs. I remember listening to covers and watching music videos. And um, one thing I really remember, and I don't know why, <laughs> um, but the Everything Has Changed music video, which is featuring Ed Sheeran. Um, I really remember that music video for some reason. It features two kids going to school who look a lot like Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran, a little boy and a little girl. And they are at school together and they're outcasts, but they have each other and that's what matters. And I think that <laughs> um, I think that I remember that a lot. And then at the end of the music video, they come out and Ed Sheeran picks up the little boy who looks like him and Taylor Swift picks up the little girl who looks like her. Which is really cute. And I remember that a lot. But this album, I definitely remember lots of. Um, and I think looking back into my memories of growing up with Taylor, uh, this is one that I remember more than listening to any of the others. Although I do oh, cool. remember enjoying Speak Now. Um,
0: 1989, I think, was the first one that I remember you having, like that we got for you or yeah. you know, got, which came out after this, just after this. One. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, Ben, I don't know if. If you have remember uh, memories of this coming up, but I remember uh, hearing uh, the first single "We Will Never Get Back Together" on the radio, and immediately because I was familiar, we listened to it at home. We listened to "Speak Now" and "Fearless." Immediately, kind of going, "Whoa, this is very different. Like this is this is not this is not country or not yeah. exclusively country," um, and kind of being surprised and a little excited and curious about wow because uh some artists try and fail to change genres or whatever that means to you because i think that's kind of a complicated some people say well i'm not stuck in a genre i make the music i want to make but she very clearly was moving away from being exclusively a country artist uh which obviously has been a good move for her (laughs) very successful but but right away i noticed it like wow um, when I listen to the whole album now, I I could see how if you were into Taylor because she was a country artist and not because you really, really loved her music, you could put on this album at the beginning and still hear some of those country elements with the first track, State of Grace. I think a lot of the drums and guitar sounds like country rock. You get into Red, it starts with banjo. Um as you go through the album but if you just heard it on the radio you would say hey this isn't the tailor that i'm used to uh yeah. so I, I definitely remember it coming out um i don't think same lily i don't think i ever sat down and, and went through the whole thing but just being around you and your mom um and us just listening to it around the house bit, very familiar with it um ben were you very familiar with with much of it or singles or, or how much of it did you know when you listen no, to I'm them. thinking about our
3: conversation a few weeks ago when you talked about um, you've always listened to Drake, but maybe never press play on an entire album. Yeah, I think that's how Taylor's been for me. If okay. I want to, uh, she pops up from time to time on other things that I'm listening to, and right. I, I occasionally will type her name into Spotify and just listen to her hits. But it's really been since we started talking about. Reviewing her music that I mm-hmm. went to read and, and listen to it. I I think my earliest um, Taylor Swift memories are actually when Ryan Adams' uh, version of 1989 came out, and I think I listened to that first. Um, I knew a few of the the hits, the radio hits. But right. I think that was the sort of like nudge that I needed to go and check out, check her out for real, to not just dismiss her. As we often do as like a young female artist that's gonna be here for a few minutes and then disappear again you know a horrible lingering thing that that continues to still happen um uh and then over time like one of my favorite uh, tv shows that continues to come up on this podcast because of how much music reference there is in it uh, new girl she shows up she actually shows up as an actress in new girl but she oh, okay. also has a, there's a number of scenes where people in passing reference her, um, including a, a sort of breakup scene. Yeah, Is like this making you feel better at all?
1: I just
0: wanted to listen to Taylor Swift alone.
3: <laughs> my my awareness of Taylor Swift oh, yeah. has been like out there in the zeitgeist, out there in, yes. the, in the culture and not necessarily deeply ingrained um it's been kind of fun though in the last year to pass by Annika's room and hear it on and know oh she's trying to dig a little deeper than than we have and it's kind of neat to to see my kids start to have their own like deeper opinions on on music that's not just uh you know kids uh, satellite radio or what their mom and dad have been listening to so yeah right. it's neat I'm glad to finally get a good reason to sit down with an entire album and give it the respect that she clearly deserves um, because we all know albums should be listened to and not just random songs, right?
1: <laughs> um, I was just going to say that I think I just remembered that I think my, one of the first times I listened like, to Taylor Swift wasn't even Taylor Swift. I think I listened to Shake It Off in the movie Sing.
3: <laughs> where they oh, yeah, that would have been an early <laughs> one time too yeah.
1: And I think that's the first time I listened to anything Taylor Swift okay. related cool. Because me and Aletheia and Jonas would listen to Shake It Off from Sing Not even Taylor Swift, we just listened to this music um, Is, really? part-
3: Is that the part- <laughs> porcupine? That no, that's right?
1: the pigs where <laughs> they oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but I think that's my first Taylor Swift memory <laughs>
0: Okay, that's cool um, I something that Ben and I don't always talk about but I think is really important that we talk about on this album and I am again going to turn it over to our young guests here um, Taylor Swift is an excellent songwriter and is a very thoughtful and passionate lyric writer one of the songs that she redid on this is a song called All Too Well and when she re-released it, she extended it and made it 10 minutes long. Sorry, Ben. I know that's not your, that's not your favorite. Oh. Um, and uh, I, have a, I have a coworker, and we um, have lunch together almost every day. And on Fridays, we go out, and we were driving somewhere recently, and, he, and I was talking that we were going to record this. And he said, what do you think about Taylor Swift? And I said, "Well, I mean, I think she's great. We listen to her a lot." And um, I was kind of, you know, he's he's a white man, a, a little older than I am, and I was kind of expecting him to go on a bit of a tyrant about maybe why he didn't like her. And he said, "I saw her on Saturday Night Live recently, and she played this song, and it was like ten, it was like ten minutes long." And I thought, "Oh, he's gonna, oh, he's gonna just blast her here." And he goes. I was absolutely captivated. I couldn't stop <laughs> wow. watching. I just, I, I don't even know what it was about. And I just, I was, I was fixated the whole time. Uh, and I said, well, it was probably all too well. He's like, well, that, that's it. That's the one. It was really good. I couldn't believe how good it was. And that's kind of, that was it. But I thought like, wow, here I am, you know, assuming that he's going to hate it or that he's awesome. Oh, silly young woman just, singing this ridiculously long song and he was absolutely captivated by her storytelling. So um, fans were absolutely thrilled that she extended the song. That song is an emotional song and um, extended the lyrics and I think that it fans loved it even more. That it was more emotional and more expressive. And one of the questions that um, that I asked before we started of of Lily and Annika is that there's a significance on many of her albums. And I just learned this because Lily, you and your mom were talking about it, that often there's significance on her albums between the fifth track and the 12th track. And I wonder if you would, uh, as we start talking about the lyrics and, and you can talk about your, some of your favorite lyrics on this album too, as we go on, but what is the significance of the fifth and the 12th track? Um, Lily, do you want to start, start us off there? Um, sure, yeah. D- what, is, what is that all about? Is that a thing?
2: Um, so definitely with the fifth track. Um, the fifth track is generally the most emotional song on the album. It uh, can be about a bit of breakup or experiences that Taylor has had. Um, and it, is, it hits hard with fans. And I, from what I remember, she only recently actually revealed this revealed i say but she um she, it's always been a thing um and that track five has been the emotional the hard-hitting song on the album so um if we look at this album it's all too well but then uh, more recently um track five on midnights was you're on your own kid which is a song about growing up and um being your own person and how scary that can be and also how exciting that can be and then there's other songs that dive into relationship problems and things like that uh as all too well does so um yeah i think that this track is so beautiful on its own as its own four minute long song or however long it is when it was originally released and then diving into the 10 minute version mom and i were discussing this earlier today uh that one thing uh, that Swiss feeds also love um, is Taylor Swift's bridges. They are iconic. They are like a song within the song. Um, and that the 10 minute version of All Too Well almost feels like every verse is a bridge and that it hits mm. hard every time and that it contains this deep, the emotional and the, the switch that the bridge usually does bring that uh, you find in her shorter songs. Some some lines that I enjoy, um, she has some really hard hitting ones in here. Um, one that sticks with me and that I think about when I think of this song is I was never good at telling jokes, but the punchline goes, I'll get older, but your lovers stay my age. Which mm. is just such a hit to uh, the person the song's about, which is Jake Gyllenhaal. Hall. And. Um, <laughs> From that same verse, she has a line, Did the twin flame bruise paint you blue? And in the um, opening track on the original release of this album, State of Grace, she has a lyric also about Jake Gyllenhaal that says, Just twin fire signs. And so that parallel is really interesting. Um, I could talk about her lyrics for a really long time, but that is all (laughs) I will say for now um, about track five and All Too Well and what that means to me so
0: is track 12 often like a like a family connection or a personal thing
2: um that would be uh track 13 on folklore and evermore are about um her uh respectively oh, okay. folklore is about her grand grandfather uh track 13 and then she has a song about her grandmother on track 13 of evermore so okay.
1: I'm thinking um something
2: that that was the yeah no that's that's okay it was a um uh, a yeah, familiar connection on those two albums, which both came out as a surprise during COVID. So kind of very special things in and of themselves.
0: Right.
1: And the 13, 13's her lucky number. Right. It is, yeah. <laughs> but, so track 13, I don't know, people say it's special because it's her lucky number. Right. But I, I said 12,
0: but are, you're, you're right. It's 13. <laughs> those two tracks 12. especially. Yeah. Um,
1: and folklore, and Evermore.
0: Wow, really cool Uh, cool stuff yeah we could probably talk about lyrics for a long time and we know that there's often speculation when we talked about earlier how she's criticized for just doing breakup songs or just things but often there are songs about specific people and a lot of them are celebrities that we know so (laughs) there's often speculation about who that's about sometimes more obvious than other times Um, and is always another fun thing for fans for Swifties to try and figure out and decipher what's this about
3: i'm gonna double down on this connection to to joni mitchell okay in blue i think as someone who's appreciated her radio hits for a long time but mm-hmm. um, even at the first few listens to this album i sort of felt like it, the radio hits are great but what is really going on with the rest of this stuff it wasn't until the third or fourth or fifth listen sometimes that i started to see just how much of a poet she can be with some of oh, her yeah. lyrics. And I'm oh. curious for for Lily and Anika, um, as fans, do you find yourself primarily drawn to her most popular songs, or do you wind up digging a little deeper into the lyrics and finding sort of hidden gems from the ones that aren't released as sing- singles, for, for instance? Um, can you talk about that at all um, for, for those of us less emotional people who who don't connect with lyrics first
1: (laughs) um for me i think that sometimes i actually find the most popular ones the ones that are like super upbeat and like very pop style they're like not my favorites because Mm -hmm. i like the ones that have like really deep meanings and the ones that are like slow and emotional and like the ones that mean a lot and the ones that since they're so like deep, it's just it has like it
2: gives me a special feeling. I totally feel that. I think that I do have love for a lot of the popular songs and singles, and I find myself listening to them often. But um, as someone who has been involved in music my whole life and is now making it like the focal point of my life. Um, I think that listening to those lyrics is not only uh, relatable, which is what Anika was saying, but also inspiring. It inspires me to write music and to write music that means something to me. And I think that that is something that Taylor Swift does for a lot of people. She Mm -hmm. is relatable um, and she writes music that people can listen to and say I know what that feels like uh-huh. that is me or I've had that experience or finally someone put it into words and I think that that's a power that Taylor Swift has yeah I think that her lyrics are so people brush her off again she writes breakup songs her lyrics don't mean anything and then she has these uh folklore and evermore really good to listen to for the lyricism and the, po- the poetry um because they are such deep songs with intricate meanings and um, word painting and all these things that I could talk about for forever. I could do a whole podcast about a song, probably. <laughs> one song. So
0: huh. maybe
2: I need to start a podcast. Annika and I can start a Taylor Swift podcast.
0: <laughs> um, one song at a time.
2: One song at a time, yeah. I don't know if I'm like knowledgeable
1: enough to do a whole podcast on it, but <laughs> I do find, even if I don't relate to the songs, I can still find meaning in them and find them yeah. really mm-hmm. uh, like meaningful and. I really like them. Even if I can't like relate to what she's saying.
0: Right.
2: Yeah, exactly. You you took the words out of my mouth. You got me. That's exactly what I'm going for. But yeah, Taylor Swift is an incredible lyricist. So.
0: As a father, I'm glad that the two of you can't relate to some of this yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Can save the heartbreak for later. I'm sure there's a lot more we could talk about. And the one thing that we we always talk about and we need to get to is if you're new to this podcast, uh, you might not know that we have a playlist on Spotify. It's called SoundLogic Favorites. And we always pick two tracks from every album we review. And when we have a guest, we really encourage them to pick a track. And when we have two guests, we like them to each pick one. So here's the tricky part where you each get to pick your favorite song and i'm going to open the table wide open that it could be from the original release or the deluxe or taylor's version um any you can pick what you know you've got 30 songs to choose from um
1: (laughs) that makes it even harder
0: i know i was gonna say i didn't
2: know taylor's version was open
0: (laughs) well i'm making it an option i don't think it would be fair to say you can't pick because i think that especially for the hardcore fans uh a lot of them as you said and i agree you you don't listen to the original anymore if you're going to listen to one you're probably going to listen to taylor's version um and if you're listening to that whole album let's pretend you have it on shuffle you're going to be listening to more tracks and i think it has become a part of the listening experience of this album so, I mean, it's our podcast and we make the rules, so uh, <laughs> we can do whatever we want. I love it. Uh, uh, so, I, if I'm putting you on the spot and you can't think of one from Taylor's version and you had something else in mind, that's fine. But certainly, um, Ben, unless you have an objection to it, I don't see why we wouldn't include. And the if other you can't track. pick, then your boring old dads are going to have to pick for oh, you yeah. you don't want that well
2: what would you pick if we didn't pick
3: like what are your favorites can
2: we hear what you would pick before we say our picks I'm actually
3: intrigued Alethea came home one day singing Trouble with different lyrics I think her <laughs> I was thinking
1: Jennifer the other day for this because I said that that's the only song she knows from Red and that's not even the right lyrics <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think it was a music class right so
1: it's for the trouble class it's like something in
3: trouble that's adorable uh, and, uh, and i'm sure we can find a clip to play in the background and tonight at dinner when the first few notes of that song came on Jonas said what song is this and Annika said trouble and he said oh i knew that or something like that and i thought oh wow so like something is happening in both of them like they're attracted to this Them this beat and I don't know, it's it's a song that I've known for longer than I've been known that it was on an album called Red. So I'd probably pick that one, I think.
1: I Um, also knew the trouble one before I knew I were I knew you were trouble because I learned it in music class before.
0: (laughs) I knew you were trouble That's great. I that was the first one I remember hearing, like when before the album came out. Um that's one of my favorites. I really like we're uh we're never getting back together. I think it's so fun. Um i love the way that she tells the story and relates it and, and has more of the talking um clips in it she does that on other albums. really good yeah uh, you know what one of my favorite one is and i always turn it up i really like starlight i think that would be
2: starlight's you know, it, good
0: it's really it's really poppy um it's maybe not her most uh creative song on the album uh but it's so much fun and i really i really like it it's got a bit of that country pop feel as well uh which is cool but um hard to pick one from the album because there's a lot Mm -hmm. of really good tracks so hopefully that's give that we've stalled enough for you two to (laughs) to finalize your choice um lily do you have something already ready to go
2: I think so. I wrote one down and I wasn't going to set it in stone, but I mean, (laughs) I'm not going to say All Too Well 10 minute version because if some poor soul is shuffling this playlist and they land on the 10 minute version of All Too Well, I don't think they're going to know what they're getting themselves into. And if you want to get into that, then I highly recommend, but I don't.
3: That is a song that I intentionally
2: listen. That is a song I intentionally listen to. And I think most Swifties intentionally listen to. It's not like, Oh, I put it on a playlist and if it shuffles through, I guess I'll listen to the whole 10 minutes of it. It's like, I am sad and I need to cry for 10 minutes straight. And that's why we <laughs> set this song on So I think that if I had to pick one, I wrote one down, but I think I might have to go with Everything Has Changed just because it has that memory with me. Um, and I'll I'll go in and change that. But um, Taylor, I think that I would go. Well, I mean, obviously, but... <laughs> obviously um that's the one featuring a cheer and i have memories of it it's a pretty song it feels a little bit more country but again it has that pop element and i like that song i think it's sweet so all right annika i'm looking through the
1: list because i was gonna say um all too well or red because i love those songs but then i was looking through and i'm realizing now that we have taylor's version that's making it so much harder but I think <laughs> I'm still going to say um, All Too Well, because I love that song. It's okay. just so, it's so relaxing. And it's just like, so it has so much meaning and I love it so much. And I think, yeah, I love to listen to that one.
3: Perfect. Well, both songs are enshrined now eternally on the Sound Logic Favorites playlist.
1: Yay!
3: Good job. <laughs> uh, I don't often... Uh, see numbers quite so high on the spotify plays oh man and it's interesting um even even her the re release even taylor's version uh is up in the hundreds of millions of of listens uh on on spotify and that to me is so it's so fascinating uh to to have that kind of like i don't know um it's a little overwhelming yeah. we talked about Drake just a little while ago and just how, yeah. many, how many millions and millions of, of, of times his music has been listened to and to see this here, um,
0: it's pretty cool Ben, I was looking at that and I think that uh, Blank Space from 1989 I think is in the billions like 1.3 billion <laughs> listens, something like yeah. that, it's just, just wow, but many of, yes. these, many of these are in the, the X hundred million listens for sure Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. wild. Um, yeah. Lily and Annika, do you have any other comments on uh, on any of the individual songs that you really, 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 really want us to hear before we move on? I know Lily, you said you could talk about every single one for a long time, but before we move to another, we've been tricked by here.
3: someone you're related to to make the episode three hours long. Um, <laughs> that try happened, not to yeah. do. That.
2: <laughs> My mom recorded Blue, and yeah. it took three hours, and <laughs> yeah. it was a very long episode, and had to be put in multiple parts. And I
3: love it for that. Blue has less than ten tracks, too, so we'd really be in trouble with right. uh,
0: Taylor's version. I knew you were trouble, Ben. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. Uh, and last call. Anything else? I, I have is, a question. Okay.
3: Uh, Lily, specifically, this one's for you. How are you dealing with Taylor snubbing the city of Toronto on this uh, tour?
2: I can't do it. I can't. (laughs) She she is spending four nights in Tokyo. She added extra dates to her Australia leg. She is going to Scandinavian countries, and she cannot come to Toronto for one night. What did we do? I was actually
1: looking at that, and I was like why isn't she coming to toronto because i felt like she would do that but uh, yeah it was really i was really really shocked when i found out that she's not
0: no one really knows wasn't wasn't the children's choir in it's nice to have a friend from lover wasn't that choir from toronto
2: probably yeah but and trudeau tweeted her trudeau tweeted her This man has more important things to worry about, but he did tweet her about it.
3: Asking her to come?
2: Yep, and he used Taylor Swift references as any good Swiftie would, but I do think he has more important things to worry about right now. Aside from that, um, (laughs) (laughs) lyricism is something huge with Taylor. It's a big thing. There are so many moments on this album that I could point out, but I wrote down a few on my own document and highlighted some things. Um, I think that on the song Treacherous, there's a verse uh, where she says nothing safe is worth the drive and I would follow you follow you home I'll follow you follow you home that repetition feels significant to me um, Mm -hmm. as it is in any song uh, any piece of music ever Um, but I think that uh, in a song called Treacherous saying that nothing safe is worth the drive I think that that has so much significance she has other songs where she talks about driving off the edge jumping off the edge I think that that's a significant uh motif for her and that repetition of following 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 it represents um there's an innocence a and naivety to that sense of following um and saying that you love someone so much that you would follow them forever and ever even if it was dangerous even if you knew that there was danger ahead i think that that's one thing and then in the song that i chose to go on this playlist everything has changed um she has some lyrics and all my walls stood tall painted blue, but I'll take them down, take them down and open the door for you. I think that that's really sweet. Um, And to have that that reference to blue, which is an album that has inspired Taylor, um, but to also to have feeling of the opposition of blue and red and then taking down walls and opening up doors to people um, shows the entering to the acceptance because I think that there's also an idea that maybe taylor because she has had a lot of romantic partners that she is cold and that doesn't mean anything to her but that in actuality she she has so much emotion and love in her heart that she shares with each of these people so i think that that's significant and i won't go on for too much longer because i know there's a couple more things to get through so yes i just think that she's an, an amazing lyricist and such a poet and i love her writing
3: have you seen her live lily no, I have
2: not seen her live. Uh, we do have a DVD of the Fearless tour um, or that I used to watch when I was younger. And then I've watched her Reputation Stadium tour a couple of times on Netflix. And 1989 is on YouTube, but I haven't gotten the chance to sit down and watch that. So I haven't seen her live. It is a dream, um, but I have not gotten the chance
3: to do that. I was so. trying
1: to convince you to, to buy tickets to go to the Eras
2: tour, but I, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Oh my goodness, a travesty.
3: Her fans are so intense when she shows up in a city that it kind of takes over. Uh, We had um, good friends who have a family member in the hospital in Pittsburgh and their family members who were visiting were asked to leave the hotel because there were no rooms because Taylor was in town. So it's a a dominating kind of force that she brings with her um, when she shows up places. um,
2: What's interesting, Um, Just to add on to that, obviously that is not a good thing. And I hope that everyone is okay. But the power and scope that Taylor brings to her concerts is that um, she, I don't remember what stadium it was at. Dad, I think you know about this. We talked about this before, but um, Taylor has fans and it started at one city and now it's happening everywhere. uh, Up to to and more than 20,000 fans who don't have tickets will stand in the parking lot outside of the venue just to listen to her and to be a part of the community, to hear the fan chants inside, to hear the music and be with other Swifties, will stand in a parking lot for her like three-hour-long set list just to be a part of it, even though they don't have tickets, even though they can't see anything, they can hear it, and being there with other people who love and appreciate that music is just as important to them, and so they will bring their car and park five blocks away so they can get parking and then walk over and stand outside the venue. And that power and community of Taylor Swift and of Swifties is so, so interesting to me
1: i have seen videos of the fans standing in the parking lot and my heart is just so happy and then also (laughs) if you watch like inside the sewer when they're when she's singing her song and especially um, my favorite album is lover and when they're chanting the bridge to cruel summer my heart is just like so happy and it makes me want to scream
2: yeah i totally feel that cruel summer is iconic and to open with those songs is so good i love love lover as well so i'm totally with you on that
3: she, she draws emotion out of people for sure. Um, good friends of ours from California went to see her in, I want to say, Texas somewhere. And place is not important, but they took their three daughters and their youngest was so moved that she wept tears of joy for the whole first half of the concert. Like just <laughs> like crying out of happiness and their, her parents didn't know what to do with her. It. it was like the first time they'd seen their child sort of have an uh, overwhelming happy <laughs> feeling uh-huh. uh, in that sort of way. Uh, this would be fun. It almost feels uh, anticlimactic to move into some reflections and wrap th- this up. But but perhaps it's time to move into some of our concluding thoughts.
0: We like to ask if, if an album has aged well. And this seems kind of a silly question because uh, the album is not that old. The original release, yeah. we said 11 years old. It's still very much a part of, as you said, Ben, the zeitgeist. It's still played on hit radio not only that but it was re-released or re-recorded and released just two years ago less than two years ago and that was very successful and she's touring now and it's a big part of that tour obviously so i mean we could discuss it but i think the answer is quite clear that it's still extremely relevant is aged well the songs are so popular the sentiment is so popular. I mean, she re-recorded one of the songs and made it over two times longer, and people love it just as much. So, um, unless anybody has anything else to add, I mean, this segment, like, yes, her music's still relevant. Yes, it's all aged well. Mm-hmm. There's nothing on it to me that sounds like, oh, that's so, that's so 2012. 2012. 2012. Like, we don't, we yeah. don't use those instruments anymore. We don't. We don't sing like that anymore. I, I can't. I can't really think of anything. So, unless anybody has anything there. The only
3: thing I would say is that it has a kind of uh, 10 years ago hits of the summer element sometimes. Like like Trouble specifically reminds me a lot of Party in the USA in terms of the vibe and the okay. emotion yeah. and, the, and the rhythm. Not to say that those songs wouldn't come out today, but they feel like a sort of pre-pandemic uh, <laughs> uh, feel of excitement that I think... Something about the last three years has has changed yeah. the way pop music sounds. Um,
0: yep. I would agree with that.
3: It's a very, very uh, light criticism, I would say, in terms of dating it. Uh, but, but when I listen to this music, it makes me feel like, probably because we were living in sunny, East southern California when this came mm-hmm. out, and I have tied that to a more carefree <laughs> time of life. Um that's totally fair. Just as we were starting to have kids and things like that. But yeah, I don't I I, I think you're right. Obviously re releasing it and having it do just as well is um a sign that it hasn't aged all that much.
2: Just to touch on that, I definitely also agree that this album has aged so well and that its continued success is really special. And to jump back to um the beloved track of this album All Too Well and the ten minute version specifically, um at the Era's tour. Taylor doesn't sing the regular version. She doesn't not sing it. Um, this is a song that you might not think would do well at a concert because it's a ballad and it's and it's 10 minutes long. How do people sing? She sings this song. She sings with her acoustic guitar. She thinks, sings a 10 minute version of All Too Well every night at the Era's tour. And I think that that just goes to show that Taylor's songs well, they might fit the um, the feeling of a time period and say, oh, this brings me back or this reminds me of this time. Um, and when I first listened to it, I think that also you can listen to these songs whenever and people still love them and find joy in them and find um, relevance in the time that they're living in. And I think that yeah. that is super cool. And the fact that a song that most people would say this song is meant for yourself and like i said i would even say like like this song is meant for when you are by yourself and enjoying it i think that also that community um which i've brought up a couple times and the fact that she's able to perform a 10 minute long song and have people recite every word in a stadium is really cool
0: absolutely question we always ask was this was the position on the list on the 500 list sound logic this is number 99 of Five hundred. Now, I I also want us to remember, too, that this came out in 2012, in October, which would have been just before the previous version of this list was released, uh, 2013. And so it was very young then. So now it comes out, and it's the 99th best ever, uh, but it was probably even a little too new to be on the, the last one. So this this question could be hard to answer if you aren't really familiar with the whole 500 list but um it's 99 best ever that's pretty good anika what do you think do you think it should be higher lower same don't know what are your thoughts
1: well i don't know i mean i think taylor swift could be number one and i wouldn't be
2: mad
0: so (laughs) sure
2: I I don't think I'm a great judge of that, but I think 99 is pretty good. Yeah, you know, I would say the same thing. I would always be happy to see Taylor Swift at number one or higher than 99, because when you told me she was at 99, I was like, what? There's no way she has to be higher. But um, I was looking, I went and I did my research. I said, you know what, I'm not going to just say that she should be at number one before I look at everything else. I went and looked at the top 20. And the only album that I didn't think should be in the top 20, and this won't come as a surprise because I'm a Swifty, is Kanye West's album.
3: (laughs) Uh, If you're not
2: a Swifty, you might not know the history that Taylor Swift and Kanye West have, but it's not a friendly one.
1: So thank you so much for giving me a chance to win a VMA award.
0: Yo, Taylor, I'm really happy for you. I'm gonna let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time.
2: And maybe Taylor could jump in and take his spot at 17. That's all I have to say. But the top 10, I was looking at the top 10. I said, how do you move those around? I mean, there's some iconic music on here, some really, really good music on here. And as much as I love Taylor, um, I don't know if I'd need or want her to take any spot in the top 10. Um... And I would want to see her move up, obviously, but I think that there are some really amazing albums before her that I am happy to have where they are.
0: Cool. Um, I don't know. if you, Do you have anything on this, Ben?
3: I, I imagine this will things. go up. I think even, even more uh, interesting than uh, this ranking here at 99 is that there are only two Taylor Swift albums on this list of 500. I imagine that's bound to change, that there will be more in the future and that they will be ranked higher. Um, I don't know how high. 100% uh, agree. But I think think it's bound to to shift in the future.
1: I was just saying the other day that I think if another list gets released, Midnight's is going to be somewhere on there because it was so popular and it Ah, sold so so many things the first day. So I think it's going to be on there. Also, the fact Mm -hmm. that there's only... 1989 is the only other one and it's so low. I just think it should be higher, but
0: well, I, I really agree with you, Annika. And it's number 393. I would say I'm okay with red at 99 here. I I would see 1989, even higher than this. I think that it's commercially maybe did, I think did even better. And I think the hits Mm -hmm. did better. And, um, I, I think it might be my favorite of hers actually. Um, It's really, really good. So I would see that higher. And I think with what you said, Lily, about when Midnights came out and all of a sudden all of her albums were in the top 10 at once, which has never, ever happened. I think we're going to see a ripple effect from that when the next list is released, whenever that may be, hopefully not too soon, because we want to get through this one a little more um, (laughs) in our podcast. But um, I think we'll see more albums. I think we'll see Midnights. I think we'll see Reputation, Lover. folklore and evermore if you haven't listened to them you know everyone in 2020 in march april everyone went into lockdown and taylor swift went into the studio and (laughs) surprised us with an album in folklore and then later that year said well we had lots of other stuff and here's another one so she did two albums in lockdown in 2020 and i think that's significant too because it it reflected a a very significant uh period of time in world uh world history, world culture, you know, the, it's something that affect was a global pandemic, obviously affected all of us. And the art that was created in that time, mm-hmm. I think as we get a little further away from it, you know, there's still areas of the world and, and different places where it's still affecting us more than others. I think as we move further away from that, we're going to start looking back and reflecting on on things that we did and said and art that was created. And I think it'll be significant.
2: I think that for a lot of 50s, um, those two albums, Folklore and Evermore, got us through the pandemic and i totally agree with you that um the music and any art made during the pandemic i would say 2020 to now because our experiences and our lives are still being affected by the aftermath mm-hmm. of that absolutely i think that it really reflects a specific period of time of feeling and emotion and folklore and evermore are beautiful albums uh mm-hmm. i like i said they got me through covid and i know they got a lot of people through covid so um that's the kind of impact that Taylor has as an artist and as a person. Um I think that that's something really special and that can be said about lots of artists but I know for me that Taylor has been such an inspiration and she got me through that time. Um and I think that that's very special and significant. Um and that I would love to see more of her music uh, higher on this list for sure.
0: Well said. We're pretty much at the end here of of all the different things we wanted to talk about. Before we conclude, um, we we did mention, but usually the last thing we say is about other albums. There is only one more. That's nineteen eighty nine at three ninety three, and that's it. But as we discussed, there will probably be more in future if Rolling Stone decides to do another one. If albums are still a thing in the next <laughs> few years, and I think they will be, um, and Taylor is proving that that uh, people love albums. Uh, that that will happen so any last chance anything else that anybody wants to say before we wrap it up here
2: thank you for bringing us on
3: (laughs) (laughs) so
0: nice Uh, we'll have to do it again in a
3: few years when we get to uh, yeah 1989 Um, I uh,
1: think I like 1989 more than red so I'm excited to do 1989 I've
2: also listened to 1989 more so yeah um, bring us on for that one I'm definitely very familiar
3: you said that uh, red was your seventh favorite Taylor album. So yeah, there's a whole lot. Uh, ahead of it. There's oh, wow. more. Yeah.
2: Red's like farther down my list. Someone on the internet created like a mathematical way to calculate which Taylor Swift album is your favorite. I don't know if you've gone through that path, Annika. I've considered it, but apparently it takes a very long time to get through. Mine is just which ones I like the most. <laughs> That's totally fair. I, I can see myself at some point on a rainy day, maybe this summer. Uh, getting into that mathematical breakdown of which Taylor Swift album mm-hmm. is my favorite, but we'll see if I get to that. I totally want to find that and do that at some point. That'd be fun. Stream Taylor's version. Stream Speak Now Taylor's version. Yeah, I'm, I am love
1: Speak Now Taylor's version. I think it's so exciting. I was, I've was. i been waiting for so long
3: for this <laughs>
2: Speak now to come out. You know, uh, people listening can't see this. This is just for us, but um, I'm wearing red today and Anika's wearing purple, which is speak now's color, which I, I think didn't is. I really did that. I did that today. I also <laughs> had something else purple.
1: But I forgot what it was. I painted my nails purple. But that's
0: awesome. it. Ben and I are wearing blue. What does that mean? Um,
2: 1989. Yeah. Mm, all
0: right. Uh. Okay. Well, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you, Annika. Yeah. Thank you, Lily. Uh. So special to have our our kids here. Um. Joining us and talking about this band that really, obviously, is is really important to both of you and to a lot of people, um, and it's exciting because we don't you you well, Annika, you're now officially the youngest guest we've ever had, uh, and, and Lily, I guess you would be the second youngest. So it's really exciting yeah. to have. I don't think we've really had many other options, Ben. Of that's true. Or anybody who's come to us really young people, people still in in grade school about these albums so that's an exciting thing for us too to have young people excited in music and in albums and in albums on this list so as we get into some of the more recent albums um i'm sure we will you know as we get into artists like harry styles and billy eilish who are both on this list further on it'll be exciting to talk to more uh young people about this so thank you thank you thank you for joining us it's been a blast mm-hmm. um and we hit another milestone next week. And Lily,
2: what what are they listening to next week? Next week, our dads will be listening to the 100th album 100. on the Rolling Stones. <laughs> 100, 100 album on the Rolling Stones' top 500 album list. Music from The Big Pink by the band.
0: Awesome. Uh, this has been so fun. Are, yeah, it's been great. Um, thanks again to Thank all you. of you thanks for listening at home uh we really uh, hope you'll join us next week for a, a, an album that's really special to ben and i music from big pink um until that time we hope you continue to be well we cope you we hope that you take care of yourselves and those close to you and we certainly hope you'll join us again right here on the sound logic podcast thanks everyone and take care